putting the focus on inclusion and making sure that the students feel like active participants in the class will also have a, a huge effect on outcomes in a very small amount of time. That uh, how that traditional model kind of drives this engagement. You flip that switch, get those students engaged and, and make them feel like they're part of that class and, and like they're part of, of the lesson in real time and not, you know, once everybody else has started on it, then you're going to see those increases in engagement and with engagement will, will come the efficacy. So in my experience, the most common factors driving EL disengagement is not feeling like full participants in the class. And what the Sadie model is really trying to do is trying to bring those students in and make them feel like they're part of the class. And I feel like that is going to be what really drives the short term um, kind of improvements that, that you're talking about. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. How might a conceptual framework help educators better communicate around EL program management, instructional practices, and more? How can implementing a framework encourage educators to assess their practice and identify where they can improve? And what benefits does all this have for multilingual learners? We discuss these questions and much more with Elevation's own Adam Howard. Adam is currently a project manager here at Elevation Education, where he works with school districts across the country to onboard and roll out our suite of software that manages data analysis and student instruction. He has an extensive background in education, having spent nearly 10 years in the English language development classroom, supporting learners from all over the world. Adam has spent his career focused on integrating 21st century technology into the classroom, disrupting the outdated and promoting equitable learning opportunities to empower all students. This background in educational technology contributed to his development of the Sadie model, a conceptual framework that helps educators level set around English learner instruction and program management. The acronym stands for Simplification, Accommodation, Differentiation, and Integration. It is loosely based on the SAMR model created by Dr. Ruben Puentedora that categorizes four different degrees of classroom technology integration. If you'd like to refer to the Sadie model and the conceptual framework as you listen, you can find it at bit.ly slash Sadie model. That's bit.ly slash S-A-D-I-M-O-D-E-L, no caps in that. Before we get started with our conversation with Adam, just a quick reminder that you can stay connected with us by joining our EL community at elevationeducation.com slash EL community. There you can leave comments about this episode and others. You can also engage with great content like our Whiteboard Wednesday short video series, blog posts, and articles. And finally, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This will help us continue bringing you the best topics and guests on Highest Aspirations. As always, thanks for listening. Here's our conversation with my friend and colleague, Adam Howard. Elevation Zone, Adam Howard, thanks so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations. Thanks for having me, Steve. I'm very excited. Yeah, same here. You are the first guest uh, directly from, actually, no, you're not. We interviewed Eric Wong about the hackathon, but that was different. You're the first one to come in and talk about a topic uh, related to, to, to 
English learners, multilingual learners. So we're excited about that. Well, I'm very excited to be here. Cool. So we're going to actually talk about a model that you uh, have used for English learners that kind of came from the SAMR model. Um, and so I'd love to kind of start there. Anybody who doesn't know what the SAMR model is, if you could kind of describe that, and then we can get into the idea that you came up with to adapt it. Yeah, great. Okay, so the SAMR model is a framework that categorizes four different degrees of classroom technology integration. So the letters SAMR stand for substitution, augmentation, modification, and redefinition. Uh, the SAMR model was created to provide kind of a common language to help people visualize the complex concepts around uh, integrating technology. Um, what the SAMR model does so well is it kind of provides that conceptual hook that helps people engage the complex topic in a clear and easy to understand way. That's what really drew me to it. Yeah. Um, I came across the model as I was working towards my master's degree in ed tech, and I just I loved how effective it was. There are great graphics out there, and I feel like if there's a concept and you can make a good graphic out of it, then it's simple enough to really be a good hook. Um, so as I was looking at that and really kind of figuring out how to apply that in my classroom, it occurred to me that we could really use something similar uh, as kind of a conceptual hook for EL and for EL educators and for classroom teachers to really understand the different levels of effective EL instruction. Yeah, for sure. And I, like we have a lot in common. I mean, I feel like I came across that at the same time, um, especially while I was teaching and taking some courses, we were doing a lot of tech integration. And for me, it just provided, like you said, that like conceptual framework that you needed and you could kind of check yourself along the line. Like, am I using this iPad app as just a substitution or am I, am I redefining like that kind of uh, the gold standard, redefining what education looks like? So with that in mind and with that kind of background, your model is the Sadie model that you came up with. I'm curious, I want to start by talking about that conceptual framework. How does that conceptual framework like work from top to bottom, let's say with school leaders, with, with schools that, are, that have a growing number of EL? So maybe let us know what Sadie means and then get into that conceptual piece. Absolutely. So SADI uh, stands for simplification, accommodation, differentiation, and then integration, with integration kind of being the objective. Um, so when I created this model, uh, again, kind of modeling off the SAMRA model, my objective was to provide teachers with that shared lens and language for self-assessment. Uh, it's important that teachers can look at their lessons and the learning opportunities they provide ELs in their classroom and really understand where they are and to be able to see a path toward greater efficacy. So I wanted this pathway to be, um, from a conceptual standpoint, more than just a list of actions or tools um, like we so often see. Um, in my experience, professional development time for, EL and, uh, for ELs uh, when it comes to uh, classroom teachers or administrators is extremely rare. Um, and it often centers around these specific tools and strategies that you come learn this and you can use it in your classroom tomorrow. That's kind of the hook around that kind of PD. Yep. Um, but it fails to kind of provide the conceptual understanding and the big picture of what it really means to truly incorporate ELs in an integrated way in your class. So this framework, I wanted to um, play off of that SAMR model and what it does so well and, and create that. Um, that understanding and that kind of roadmap for, for classroom teachers so they can see where they're at and then they can see the next step forward. Um, as far as objectives for providing 
or my second objective was really to provide that same lens for building administrators. So my, uh, like I said, my objective was kind of twofold here. So classroom teachers really wanted them to be able to reflect and, and do that self-assessment. But I feel like a big part of this and a big part of EL education uh, really plays into the hands of administrators in that they really set the tone and establish the priorities for, for a school. So as an administrator, it's really tough to establish support for EL students as a priority in your building if you don't really have a solid footing for those conversations. And I found that in my experience, this was something that uh, happens pretty often. Um, so I wanted Sadie to provide that footing and kind of bridge the gap between teachers and administrators for productive conversations and goal settings um, kind of based on shared understandings of what effective EL instruction looks like. So that was kind of my, my two goals around the, the Sadie model is, um, again, for, for teachers' self-assessment and then for those building administrators to kind of provide a framework for them so they can, they can see very quickly uh, when they do their observations where a teacher is and how ELs are being integrated in that classroom and then how to have those conversations and follow up with that teacher. Yeah, and what I love about that is it's based, it's grounded in reality. You and I have been, you know, we're teachers for a long time before joining Elevation. I think, I think, I probably speak for both of us, correct me if I'm wrong, when I say that, you know, not all school leaders and building principals, for example, who are responsible for these observations, really know everything about every piece of education. And I would say that's particularly true for English learners. So while we would love it if all, particularly all of us here at Elevation would love it, if all building administrators and all principals knew as much as EL specialists about about uh, English learners, that's just not the case. So we're providing them with something that's pretty simple, pretty easy to understand. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're going to, they, they have a PhD in this stuff, but they now have, as you said, a conceptual framework so they can speak the language, they can kind of see what they need to see, understand where their teachers are, and be able to speak to it. Am I, am I on the right track there? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I can tell you from my own experience also, um, going through my undergrad, getting my, my, teaching, my teaching degree, uh, I got it in history. I'm a, uh, I'm like, I'm a convert to, uh, convert to uh, EL teaching, like yep. so many of my fellow EL teachers. So going through, my, going through my undergrad and getting my teaching degree, and then going through my master's degree and getting um, my leadership and administration uh, master's for education, we never learn about EL education in any of that. So it's not it's not about you know building administrators just you know not setting that priority. It's it's historically not something that is taught a lot in in teacher education programs. And I'm hoping now I'm old that's no longer true. <laughs> um, and, but but I feel like that's that is something that we ran into a lot is that building administrators yeah. and teachers that have been around for a while. Um, it just really don't have that conceptual framework to really drive their instruction forward. Um, so yeah, so that, yeah, I think that is exactly right. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, it, you know, I, I'll consider myself old too, having spent 17 years in the classroom and now here at Elevation for three. But, you know, I think, I think like based on a lot of the conversations that I've had here in the podcast and, and outside of work, that that is changing, but slowly. And I think that, you know, conceptual frameworks, as you're calling it like these, um, can only help us get there. So we've talked a little bit about teachers and administrators, but one thing that I really like about this model that I don't think like the basic SAMR model has is you, you provided a column, one for teachers and one for students so that you can see kind of what the expectation or what the definition for the particular pieces are for a teacher and for a student. 
Um, the first step, which you call simplification rather than substitution in the Sarah model, um, you write that the teacher, quote, addresses uh, EL needs by simplifying existing grade materials. There are no changes to instruction, only to student expectations. And then on the student side, it reads, quote, students' needs are addressed on the periphery of the class. ELs are mostly isolated from the whole group engagement and scaffolding is minimal. I'm guessing that this is where a lot of content teachers would place themselves, particularly if they're seeing growth in their EL populations and they, they haven't had the appropriate PD to address it as we already, as we already talked about. Is that true in your experience? And, and what, what sort of good does it, does it do to come to terms with that, if so? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that is kind of what drove my, um, my work with the Sadie model. I think that it's the, probably the most common practice for EL instruction in content classrooms is, is kind of the simplification. Uh, as with so many things in, traditional, in the traditional school model, EL instruction is often kind of siloed with ELs having a sheltered class for one or two hours a day and then uh, for direct language while their content classrooms, they're given kind of worksheets and assignments that are either shortened or have a couple of answer choices crossed out in order to kind of simplify um, what is already there and, and exists uh, in the lesson. So ELs are kind of supported in that model by the teacher after everyone else has started to work. So then the teacher will go around and kind of uh, provide additional supports to their ELs. And for the ELs, this feels like being put in the periphery. Yeah, but, and by the way, not to interrupt, but by the way, I, th I feel like that that's the case with, with lots of demographics of students, you know, some students who are special ed or, or other cases. So um, right, just, just worth mentioning, I just wanted to put, point that in, but I think you're right, English learners is, the, is that particular group that experiences that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and, and, uh, yeah. And one of my things is really kind of driving towards that, uh, equitable opportunities for learning for all students. So sure. I definitely feel like this, this plays into that. So, so yeah, so I, I, and I feel like that kind of being put on the periphery really drives disengagement, especially for ELs. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also for teachers, it really frustrates them because they feel unsupported and now, they feel like they're trying to do two jobs at the same time. They're, they're trying to see to their, to their, what they would consider their mainstream class and then their ELs who need this additional support. And it feels like two jobs. So it really drives their frustration. And I also feel like administrators feel frustrated, um, first off, through kind of the, the lack of efficacy this model provides and, and they, their ELs will struggle on standardized tests, which is definitely something that they're focused on. Um, but I, I feel like how that translates into the administrators is then, okay, so how do I fix this? I'm going to walk the halls. I'm going to make sure everybody has a word wall. Or they start looking for those specific tools, and they don't really have that, that big picture understanding framework of, of what really effective EL instruction looks like. So I wanted to kind of create that framework so it'll help shine a light on that path towards a truly inclusive classroom, again, for everybody, but uh, especially for ELs. Yeah, and you know what I love about that is, you know, you keep sort of referencing the traditional school model, and this is kind of a, a one sort of beacon along the pathway of changing that traditional model so, so we don't have these silos, so that we don't have this disengagement, so that we don't have frustration, which is a really good point that you brought up, in, in a teacher, an understandable frustration, somebody who, let's say, has been a math teacher for 25 years, all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, he has uh, 10 English learners in his class. He feels like he's doing two jobs. Whereas when you have a model like this and when it's, when it's, when it's implemented the right way with the right support, 
you decrease frustration, but, but a part of that also, and I know we're getting into this later, um, is, is the change management piece. And so this conceptual framework can kind of provide a bit of a roadmap or at least a guidance, a sort of guidance to get to that more difficult change management piece. Absolutely. Yeah. So given all that, I mean, I think, I think most teachers would probably agree, even those who are not experienced with this or particularly kind of, um, uh, you know, like that traditional model, probably most would agree that the gold standard is to integrate all students for all the reasons that you, you just mentioned. So my question is once they've kind of identified where they are in that Sadie model, um, they've, they've made that identification, they're, they're sort of bought into the concept. Um, what, what do they need to do to make progress toward that goal of getting to the next level? And is that something that realistically can be achieved in a short amount of time? I mean, how much time does it take someone to go from the S to the A and the A to the D? And where is it that we're trying to go? And I guess I base this on the idea that like with the SAMR model, you know, I had a lot of experience with tech integration and I wasn't always looking for someone to get to that redefinition piece. In fact, I, I very rarely saw that. But if someone went from like substitution to augmentation to, the, to where technology allowed them to do something they really couldn't do before, that was a game changer for me and for them, because as you mentioned, it, it kind of gave them another tool. It gave them another um, like spark in their, in their educational journey. Um, and it allowed them to see things from students that they hadn't seen before. So that's, that's kind of a long-winded way of asking you, you know, once they identify where they are, where should we be getting them to try to go and how do they go about doing it and how much time does it take? I think that's a, I think that's a great question. So my kind of main takeaway from the SAMR model is um, that you have substitution and then you're moving beyond that. And I, and I feel like the Sadie model does that also in, in that reactive versus proactive. I think the first step uh, truly to making improvements in a short amount of time is really recognizing where you are. I think that is the big first step. And I feel like uh, teachers especially, I mean, they're very, they're very passionate individuals. They want to do a good job in my experience. Um, and just coming to the realization, okay, this is where we are. This is the path forward. That is kind of the first and, and biggest step. Um, past that, it's, it's just doing the work. Um, so really recognizing that reactive versus proactive and what those look like, um, was kind of the, the key, um, touchstone uh, of the Sadie model. So I think that uh, anytime the educator is being proactive towards the needs of all of their students and going beyond kind of repurposing past lessons and, and assessments to truly account for the language needs of all their classroom um, students, they're going to see an immediate improvement in outcome. Like that, that's going to happen very quickly. Yep. Um, just kind of switching on that proactive lens. I think that um, putting the focus on inclusion and making sure that the students feel like active participants in the class will also have a, a huge effect on outcomes in a very small amount of time. That uh, how that traditional model kind of drives disengagement, you flip that switch, get those students engaged and, and make them feel like they're part of that class and, and like they're part of, of the lesson in real time and not, you know, once everybody else has started on it, then you're going to see those increases in engagement and with engagement will, will come the efficacy. So in my experience, the most common factors driving EL disengagement is not feeling like full participants in the class. And what the Sadie model is really trying to do is trying to bring those students in and make them feel like they're part of the class. And I feel like that is going to be what really drives the short term um, kind of improvements that, that you're talking about. 
Yeah. And by the way, I think those short-term improvements aren't just for the teachers and those EL students, but also all the other students in class. I mean, what a gift it is for them to be able to uh, have, have those particular students join conversations that they wouldn't otherwise be engaged in or activities or lessons or whatever the case may be to get those unique perspectives. I mean, that goes to the, to the point that I don't escape one of these podcast episodes without bringing up. And that is that these students are assets. Let's bring them into the fold. And I mean, that's one of those things that, I mean, that, that just, that just sparks the excitement for everybody in the room, I think. 100%. Absolutely. That, that has been my experience every single time. Um, once, if you can uh, integrate those students in and bring in that engagement and get the, the students working together, then it's really going to drive engagement across the board. Yeah. Engagement, community building, future success of all students. I mean, a better society, everything. You yeah, know, absolutely. absolutely. Um, cool. And the other thing that I wanted to, to kind of reiterate that you just mentioned, and if, and if, you know, if you have that state, we'll link to the, to the, place where you can look at the Sadie um, uh, model in a, in a kind of graphic form. But one thing that I really like about it is that you mentioned the reactive and proactive, and you have those um, in those columns to kind of to, to show people where you're being just reactive and where you're being proactive. So that visual cue uh, is really nice there. And again, something that you kind of took the SAMR model, but then you added some things to it, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to, when I, I presented the, the concept uh, and that conceptual hook that, that I keep going back to is it's really twofold. It's, it's um, what the teacher does and how the teacher prepares for the lesson and then how that translates into what the student does during class. I think that both of those are vital. I think that especially as, like I said, a building administrator or or somebody coming from outside of the classroom and observing and giving feedback to a teacher, it's important to, to know what both of those things look like and making sure that one, what the teacher does is translating into what the student does. I think that's the real um, test for of where we're at in this model and kind of where we're at and uh, in, including our ELs. So um, I definitely wanted to have kind of both lenses. I mean, it's kind of one concept, but I definitely wanted to have an eye on both what the teacher does before and during class and then what that translates into the student doing. Uh, I don't think that you can be effective in one area and, and not the other. It, it all kind of, it all kind of me meshes together. Yeah, for sure. So getting back to the to the model, I mentioned earlier that the final step in the SAMR model, sorry for all the acronyms, everyone, but that's the world we live in, <laughs> was, re, was redefinition. And redefinition literally means like you're redefining the educational experience for students. You're doing something that like just simply could not have been done without the technology. The technology is the tool. It is not, the, it is not like the end all. It's just the thing that gets you to like redefine and have this like amazing moment where where education is 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 working so well with Sadie the final step is integration and that calls for teachers to quote use individualized data and prior achievement to identify specific language tiers of individual students and scaffolds for their specific linguistic needs while communicating clear expectations for success within whole group activities i'm not going to lie to you as a content teacher i look at that and i'm like i have no idea how I'm going to get there. There's a lot of files in, in a cabinet somewhere that I could look at. I don't necessarily have the time. So my question is, like, it, it's, it's challenging to get there. There's no doubt about it. But what tools or resource, uh, resources or research do we need to get there? What do teachers need to have in their hands in order to get to that sort of last piece? 
Yeah, that's such an important question. So I definitely think that it's a challenge to get to the level of true integration for all students. Um, I think that to leverage student achievement data as a foundation for every lesson and activity requires a, a real high level of sophistication. I don't think it would be fair to expect a teacher to be able to meet this level of sophistication uh, in lesson planning and delivery all by themselves. There, there definitely has to be a tool. Totally um, too much data and, and planning time is, <laughs> in, in my experience, uh, is extremely rare. Um, there's just not enough time to plan um, at, at, with a traditional model, let alone trying to, to move to true integration. So in order to be able to plan everyday's lessons so that it allows for seamless integration, I think that, uh, especially amongst widely varying levels of English uh, uh, speakers in the class, it needs to be supported by technology and by building administrators. So by technology, I mean you're going to have to leverage some tool that combines individual student achievement, uh, past test scores or data with classroom delivery models that support um, the learning objectives and really scaffold the appropriate language and inclusions um, for, for support. So the best example of this from my experience is elevation strategies. Um, it, it, it was, I was working uh, in my classroom with, and I was leveraging elevation strategies when I kind of came up with this model. It was all part of that same body of work. Um, and I was trying to figure out, you know, how, how do we get to that integration level and how do we leverage the tools that we have? So I think that elevation strategies is wonderful. It takes, it takes um, student achievement data. It takes those uh, test scores and it will list individual students um, and and really break down how to include them into every lesson um, okay so you have you know one one student who's a, a level two and then you have a couple of students who are level fours here's what you can do to include them into your lesson and how to build your lesson around uh, or in such a way that includes them and and all of uh, the different levels of learners in your classroom. So I just think it's outstanding. I think it's an outstanding tool. I, I feel like uh, there may be other tools out there that, that I don't have experience with, um, but I definitely feel like getting to that integration piece, there has to be some level of sophisticated tool to be able to support that in the classroom. Um, so yeah, and then from, from the administrator standpoint, again, building administrators really set the priorities for our building. Um, and really getting to that integration level is is hard to do on your own. You need a team, uh, you need the other teachers in the building to really buy into it um, so that everybody's kind of working together and, and providing feedback and that this is the student's experience throughout the day and not just in one particular classroom. So in order to get there, um, you have to engage that building administrator and in, and in doing so, they need to have the framework, they need to have the lens and the language to have these conversations and to feel like they have a, a footing and, and the confidence to really drive this work forward. So um, those are the two things I think that are vital to get to that integration um, piece is, is to have a sophisticated tool and then to have engaged and supportive building administrators to really support that across the school. Yeah, you know, you, I, I love that you're mentioning the, the technology along with the human component. One does not exist without the other. Uh, well, sorry, that's not true. <laughs> the human does exist without the technology, and we can get the job done um, on spreadsheets and however we want, but certainly the technology that we have available to us is going to make um, life a lot easier. But what I should have said is that 
that tech is is useless without you know having leadership um, and teachers who are who are bought in. Um, you know, or certainly a little biased here um, as the, our product team and, and, and development team is sitting, you know, uh, 20 to 10 feet from me as I record this podcast. So we certainly, we certainly admit that um, we don't really talk too much about the product on the podcast, but I am glad you mentioned strategies and I totally agree with, um, with what you said. But I want to focus on the, the change management piece. I brought that up earlier and I was thinking about as you were answering that question because both pieces, both elements of that equation that you just brought up, the tech element, in this case, elevation strategies, uh, or whatever tool you're using, and the human element, that is, you need change management to do those. You need to be able to convince people, look, we need this tool, we need to invest in this particular tool and train people on this tool in order to get the results that we want. But before we even do that, we need to get people on board and understanding perhaps through the SADI um, model or whatever the case may be that, yes, this is something we need to do. So... One thing that you said, which I really liked in our last conversation when we were kind of preparing for this, um, was you said we, we shouldn't be afraid of simplicity. Um, and I love that. I think that's 100% true. I want to let you kind of get into that. How does that apply here, particularly as it pertains to EL instruction? Absolutely. So I think that um, with the simplicity piece, I think the most important part of any initiative in the education space, in my experience, has been that it can be distilled down into a simple and powerful concept that's both easy to understand and spread. Um, if the idea kind of lacks this type of hook, I feel like it can quickly bring the issue out of focus. Um, and, you know, year over year, as the tide of initiatives comes in, mm -hmm. uh, it can be kind of washed back out to sea. So I really wanted the Sadie model to, to be simple. I wanted it to be, um, to really hook uh, the, the, the user in and, and really um, provide a language and lens in a way that is easy to understand, easy to spread, easy to talk about, um, and really provide the framework for conversations more than being like a complex tool or, or something that requires a lot of PD or a lot of time to get to. So um, again, uh, professional development time is, is uh, very rare. <laughs> especially for uh, when it comes to, to speaking to teachers as a group uh, in a building or in a district about uh, their English learners. So I wanted it to be something that could be provided very quickly um, through professional development, but then really drive conversations around equitable learning opportunities and, and, um, and EL classroom engagement beyond you know, just the Sadie model. It's, it's just kind of, like I said, it's kind of a framework and kind of establishes a language to, to keep those conversations going and to get everybody talking. So, um, yeah. So again, I wanted to provide some clarity and some simplicity, um, and not to the conversation as a whole, because I think the EL education conversation is necessarily so complex, mm -hmm. but how we operationalize our desire to grow in this area I feel like that needs to be simple. I feel like from an operational standpoint, you need a, a simple conceptual framework to really drive that forward. Um, so we have to be able to agree on where we are and where we want to go in order to move in a coordinated effort. So my hope is the Sadie model can provide kind of a compass for, for this coordinated effort. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I think it can, I, I just given my experience with the SAMR model and everything that you've outlined today, um, and I guess my last, my last question is in the short, relatively short time that you've kind of had a chance to 
create this and implement it. Have you seen success when you were, um, you know, still still at schools? Have, have, have people still using it to your knowledge? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people are still using it. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to um, present it at a, a couple of conferences. It was presented at WIDA last year. Um, and, and it and it received a, a very, very positive reception. Um, and my experience in the, the building that I was still very much driving conversations, which is which is what I wanted it to do. Um, so I feel like it has been effective in, in, in driving those conversations and really getting people looking uh, at how ELs are, are uh, integrated into classrooms. Um, I feel like when my administrators that, that I used to work with walk into a classroom, they're able to tell very quickly, okay, are, th are they simplifying? Are they accommodating? Or are they, are they at that integration level? And, and they're able to have those conversations. So, um, so definitely I feel like the people who I have had a chance to present it to and who have had a chance to engage with it, um, again, the, the reception has been very positive. Um, so that's, that's super exciting for me. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you, you should definitely be proud. And hopefully this uh, podcast episode um, amplifies it a little bit because I do think it's something that uh, is relatively simple to use, but kind of gets you to where you need to be in order to make uh, the progress that you want. So with that, I have two more questions for you that are sort of relatively unrelated to the Sadie model. One is, uh, we ask everyone this, and I'm excited to ask you as, a, as like a colleague and a teammate, as someone who's on the Elevation team, is there a book or other resource that has influenced you either personally or professionally that you'd like to share? By the way, you and I have never really talked about this. This is the first uh, time it gets yeah. to be mentioned in the podcast. So what do you got? Oh, this is cool. So um, actually, I, I, I'm going to throw out some praise for a book that I've, I've recently just read. Um, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Um, I, I read that uh, a few weeks ago, and, and I just love it. I love her work. She speaks a lot about vulnerability and leadership um, and, and how our vulnerabilities kind of come into play in a lot of difficult conversations. And I think that it, what she was talking about was so true for, for educators. Um, as a teacher, there, especially as a teacher who's trying to move beyond the traditional model and trying to disrupt and, and, um, and grow as an educator and grow the field of education, it's, it's a very vulnerable place to be. Having, having those conversations, being creative, um, and, and kind of having to stand behind that, uh, both in front of a classroom full of um, what can be some pretty harsh critics, and then having those conversations with your building administrators who are observing you and, and, and trying to get them to buy into what you're trying to do and, and, and to the changes you're trying to make. Um, those are very vulnerable conversations. So I thought that, that her work was incredibly interesting, both on a personal level and then as an educator. Um, I highly recommend uh, that you, you check that out. Yeah, 100% agree. Somebody on the podcast, I think it was Walt Anderson or Kitty Murray from the episode we did from Refuge Coffee, uh, mentioned Brene Brown's work. I'm not sure if they mentioned Dare to Lead, but I, I picked whichever book. Into I think it was Into the Woods. Yeah. Uh, what's something about what? Yeah, and I read that one first, and then I and then I, I read Dare to Lead pretty recently. Um, and I totally agree with you. This whole uh, vulnerability thing is really great, and I won't lie, it is a total work in progress for me. Um, but but something that has had a profound. It's always like in the back of my mind now. I think about it, whereas before, I don't think. I don't think it entered. I think vulnerability was kind of a bad word for me, but now it's become something that uh, that should be really 
um, praised and understood more. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. A couple people have um, have have mentioned her work. Yeah, and I think that I think that in her work to kind of tie it all together is that, like you said, it's always in the back of your mind now. Like she, her work, and and again, it was a book. It wasn't a framework, but she does provide a framework, but it's that conceptual model um, that kind of sticks with you. It's, it's that sticky concept that's always there in the back of your mind. And now you kind of have that to, as you kind of uh, look at different situations. And that's, that's what I'm hoping that the Sadie model will do for educators. So I, I think that, I think that she did an outstanding job and I'm happy to hear you kind of mention that always in the back of your mind, because that's what it did to me too. Now, as I'm having conversations, uh, that's always right there. Yeah, for sure. And it's great. Thanks for bringing it back to the Sadie model and bringing it back to the conceptual framework. We didn't do that on purpose, but that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people learn more about uh, the work you're doing, whether it's the Sadie model or your work here at Elevation or your former work as a teacher or tech guy? Um, is there a place people can go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm active on Twitter and I have a semi-active blog that's linked on Twitter. So uh, definitely um, connect with me via Twitter. I'd love to, any feedback or um or any questions that you have about the model, I would love to, to interact with anybody who has interest in it. Great. And we will link to, uh, to your Twitter handle on the, um, the blog version of this podcast. That's at elevationeducation.com slash yellow community. And Adam, thanks for being the first uh, colleague and, and, and friend to join us on the podcast. That was super informative. Um, and uh, I hope we can do it again. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I always enjoy speaking with you. Yeah, I hope that the Sadie model uh, has something to offer your, your listeners for sure. So thank you again for having me. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.